So like Prairie Avenue, they want to eventually widen that out to five lanes clear across the prairie. So what the city's doing is they're asking that developer that's developing those sections to dedicate additional right-of-way to the city of Pulse Falls. And then the developer's going, well, why would I did dedicate it to the city when the road belongs to Pulse Falls Highway District? Welcome to Idaho Speaks, a podcast devoted to the censor-free distribution of conservative ideas. With big tech and mainstream media fighting to silence conservatives, Idaho Speaks was created to present issues important to Idahoans. Tune in each week to hear local and state issues and hear candidates speak about how they will represent you, the Idaho voter. Idaho Speaks, where issues take shape. Welcome to Idaho Speaks. Again, we are continuing with our effort to present as many of the candidates to you as possible. It is your job as voters to make the decision for who is going to represent you going forward. And in the Post Falls Highway District, I have the privilege of having Terry Werner in studio with me today. Terry, thank you for coming in studio. Thank you for the invite. So let's start off with kind of the basics. Uh, who is Terry Warner and what qualifications do you have for the seat you're running for? Well, I've been a resident of the Pulse Falls area now for since 1982, um, 39 years. Been married to my wife, Kathy, for 39 years. I have two children, seven grandchildren and four great-grandchildren. My wife and I have been a small business owner in Post Falls for 38 years, and so I've known the community well. I also um, worked for the city of Post Falls for 23 years, served on the Post Falls City Council for six years. During the time that I left the city council and went to work for the city of Post Falls, a seat came open on the Post Falls Highway District. I ran for that position in 1995 and was elected. And this is my seventh time running for that seat. So with that, I think some of the other questions will probably bring out more information about who I am and, and what I've done. But I feel that I'm well-versed in this area, um, have served the community well. And I'm a Republican. I try to stay conservative. But I also need uh, believe you have to have common sense. And so I try to use common sense with my conservative nature. How did you end up in Post Falls? My wife actually is from Post Falls. Um, her mom years ago had the Post Cafe on Celtis Way, and they've lived here. I met her over on the coast. We had a long-distance relationship. We married. She moved to Aberdeen, Washington, where I was working at the time, for a year. After a year, she told me she had web feet. She wanted to go back home. <laughs> so we came back to Post Falls, and uh, we started the convenience store. Um, we bought property with a family partnership. 10 years later, we bought our section of the property out from the partnership. And we've run the store um, for, like I said, for 38 years. Post Falls is one of the fastest growing cities in Idaho, correct? Yes. Some would think too fast. Well, and I mean, you, you drive around or you, I, I went for a ride this morning on my bicycle and I even made it out to that. And there's just construction happening everywhere. So David Russell is one of the candidates also running for seat one against you. He is new to the community and really has never served in this type of position. 
Some would argue the fresh perspective makes someone like David uniquely qualified to serve during these times of incredible growth. On the other hand, you've been serving in the position for over 25 years, and some folks might be more comfortable with having an experienced hand in the mix. Can you share your thoughts on this topic with the listeners for Idaho Speaks? I can tell you from my perspective, I believe that I have the knowledge, the experience, and the qualifications to serve the public well. I've been in this position for 25 years. The last seven years, Post Falls Highway District has not taken the 3% increase at all. And in 1995, when I came onto the Highway District Board, we had 27 employees Today, we have 23 employees, and that's counting the three commissioners. So we've actually reduced our employee payroll. I believe that uh, the district is very conservative. We try to serve the public the best we can. You know, there's always room for improvement. We could become more efficient. When we see those efficiency needs, we look at those, we discuss those, and we try to make the moves that will increase our uh, efficiency. We have what I think is the best highway district crew in Kootenai County. And I stand behind the employees. I think we've done a great job. I know there was the issue of the Greens Ferry Bridge. We had people on both sides of that issue. As commissioners, we had to make some tough decisions there. We spent some money. Some would say that we wasted that money. I can tell you that all the information that we gathered during that is still usable. We had surveys done. So now we know what land over there, the Post Falls Highway District, actually has control of. We had to do some drilling to know where the foundations would go. We did that, got those. So we still all have those reports to know what that structure is like over there. Then we had to do a preliminary design so we could turn that over to... um, the U.S. Coast Guard, because the Coast Guard, because that's a navigable waterway of the United States, still controls that. When they looked at our preliminary design, they said that chances of us getting approval for that bridge as it was designed was probably slim to none. We had a couple of options. We could have bought out Templin's Marina and moved it, because that's why they said the bridge was too low for the watercraft that was at that marina or we could put in a drawbridge at about three times the cost at that point the commissioners we discussed it we discussed it with our engineering firms and we decided not to move forward and spend any more money if we were going to have to battle the united states coast guard so i think that's it i think some people need to um, you know the last year has been difficult with the pandemic and our office closed down and you'd have to get online to see the meetings. So I'm not sure the people have all the facts and some people don't want all the facts. Some people would rather just make the accusations. You know, and part of the thing is, is we elect people like you to represent us and, and do our will in office. So maybe we don't need to know all of the details, but I think you've shared a good bit of information with people that they probably didn't know up until now. Now Mm -hmm. in your answer, you, you talk about, uh, with your experience, of course, uh, you have the knowledge for this kind of position. Can you share with the listeners what's some of the knowledge that is necessary? Because I'm willing to bet 
more than half of the people listening today have no idea what a highway district commissioner even does. Well, if you go to Idaho Code and look it up, you'll find out a highway district commissioner's job is to set policy and budget. So that's the main crux of the job. And once a year, you got to put together the budget and you know try to spend tax dollars wisely and you know, as efficiently as possible. But more than that, I think what I have done is gone beyond that. I um, sit on the Idaho Association of Highway Districts for the state of Idaho's board for the last 22 years. I also sit on the local Highway Technical Advisor or Assistant Council. It's a firm down in Boise. They get the uh, grant dollars in from the state and from the federal government. We grade applications once a year and disperse those grant dollars. I've been on that board for nine years. Through that uh, firm, I went and took classes, and it's about 80, 80 to 90 hours for each one to become a road scholar and a road master so I would understand better what the crews are doing out there. So if they tell me they're going to go out and do a skim patch, I have an idea of what that skim patch is. So then when we're doing budget, and the uh, director of roads says that he wants $30,000 in the budget for doing skim patches, I know what they're doing. A lot of people coming in would not know any of that information. So I think that's what makes me well qualified that I've taken the extra effort to, to learn more about the job. What are the major issues facing the Post Falls Highway District right now? Okay, growth. And you know as well as I do, and if you drive around, you're going to run into construction, congestion. Part of the trouble is Post Falls Highway District has no control over the growth. We're a road maintenance facility for the county. Although we're, our boundaries incorporate cities, we have no control over city roads. The county does subdivisions out in the county. We make recommendations. Sometimes they take our recommendations. Sometimes they don't. You know, some people want private roads. So you put in a private road, and all of a sudden you get 20 people on there, and somebody new moves in, and they go, well, they call the Pulse Falls Highway District and says, I got a pothole out here. I want you to come and fix. Well, I'm sorry, but that road's private. What do you mean it's private? Well, it means you and your group out there need to take care of it. Um, so that causes some issues. But I think the growth is really going to, um, I don't think there's been good planning. We're seeing cities, I think it's more of a land grab than real a planned approach. Um, I worked for the city of Post Falls for 23 years. I fought with planners probably on a daily basis. They have a different idea of what should be done than what I do. Um, so I think that's, we're going to really struggle. And what happens is, I can tell you, uh, just for an example, Prairie Avenue between Chase and Howell. The city of Post Falls has annexed in the first 660 feet along there. So they took in the whole road. The next 330-foot, five-acre parcel, they didn't take in the road, 
and they didn't take in that parcel. So now that's Highway District Road. The next 330, they took in and they took the road. So now they got 330. Then the next 330, they didn't take in, and then the last 660, they did. So it's kind of like a patch. You got yeah. some and then none and then some and then none. Exactly. So now who maintains what? Right. When we're plowing to the Post Falls Highway District, do we go down Prairie Avenue and when we get to that point, lift our blade, put our blade down, lift our blade, put our blade down? Well, of course we don't. That's not efficient. But when you're going out to do a chip seal, unless we can make some kind of agreement with the city of Post Falls to chip seal at all, it would look strange to the public to have little patches and a hopscotch. And so why then did the city only annex a kind of a patch meal effect of prairie? Well, I guess you would have to call in somebody from the city and do a podcast with them. Well, no, and I, I, I no, and that's a fair answer. Let me let me say right from the get go that I didn't mean that as a gotcha kind of question. I'm um I'm I'm just trying to help the the listener understand that sometimes when you see that hole in the street and it, it month after month after month it's not being fixed, there's there might be a very good reason. Like, well, the highway district doesn't have the the jurisdiction to go fix it. I, and I think that's what you're sharing with us. Yes. And, you know, years ago, the city used to not take in the road, but then they didn't have control of the right-of-way. So like Prairie Avenue, they want to eventually widen that out to five lanes clear across the prairie. So what the city's doing is they're asking that developer that's developing those sections to dedicate additional right-of-way to the city of Post Falls and then the developer's going, well, why would I did dedicate it to the city when the road belongs to Post Falls Highway District? So in order to combat that, the city has started taking in the whole roadway. Now they have control over all the right-of-way for those sections. But because they're not contiguous, then they can't take every piece. And it can't be set up. I'm, I'm going to use the wrong language. I'm but correct me, please. You can't set up like what would be the equivalent of an easement across our property, whereby Post Falls and the Highway District comes to an agreement that the maintenance is going to be X in the cities to pay the Highway District, and you guys can work that out in committee? Actually, last Wednesday at our meeting, my uh, direction to our director of roads was to get together with the city of Post Falls and meet with them and see if we can't come up with some kind of agreement to take care of these issues. Because I see it expanding. And so the more it expands, the more it's going to cause issues. And I think that we need to try to meet it and, and take care of it now. Okay. So as an elected representative, this is kind of a big issue for Idaho Speaks. The whole reason the program exists is to give voters an inside view on candidates and issues. So as an elected representative for the people of the Post Falls Highway District, how will you avail yourself to the concerns of citizens? I have always um, put my, on the website, Highway District website, my cell phone number's on there, my email address, my home phone number. I have gone out and met and had coffee with people and looked at the projects. Um, if somebody needs me to go take a look, I'm not afraid to go take a look. I'm not afraid to sit down over a cup of coffee and discuss an issue. We may not always agree, um, 
but I'm willing to talk about any issue to try to explain it to the constituent better or let them explain their concerns to me better. Um, and I think in the last year with the pandemic and the virus, if it's here, um, you know, we've gotten to where we're more available to the public because now you don't have to live, leave, leave your living room in order to come to our meeting. We're on Facebook Live. We're on Google Meets. You can go on our website. You can sign in. Um, you can make comments during citizen comments or if there's a public hearing, you can make comments. So I think we are more available now than I can tell you in 1995. Web page wasn't available. Google Meets wasn't available. Facebook Live wasn't available. Um, most of it was those boards were farmers. And so because all the farmers work together, they all talked. Um, but as it's expanded, it's gotten more. But like I said, I'm available anytime. I, you emailed me. I'm here today. Well, and I now I don't have a dog in this fight. I, right. I'm not even voting for this seat because I live in Coeur d'Alene. But for the record, uh, I, I got Terry's contact information off of the city website. And it wasn't a city email address. It was a Gmail address. I, I wasn't so rude as to call at 5 o'clock in the morning when I emailed him. But it, there was a phone number there. So... Take that for what it's worth. His contact information was readily available. And, and actually, not all of the commissioners have the contact information on there. So uh, to somebody who is concerned with how easily it is to reach out to my representatives, I applaud you for that move. Terry, I want to thank you so much for coming in and sharing your thoughts. Is there anything else you wish to share with the listeners of Idaho Speaks. I just think that is very important for everybody to exercise their right to vote on May 18th, whether you're voting for me or one of my opponents. I just think we need to exercise that right and vote for conservative candidates. Excellent. Thank you, Terry. We've reached the end of the episode, but not the end of the issue. Please share this episode with your friends and family. If you have questions or would like to share your own issues and ideas, visit www.idahospeaks.com and click Share an Issue. Your state, your voice, Idaho Speaks.